Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Inner Gamer Podcast. Today we have the executive producer and game director for the highly anticipated title, Sea of Thieves, developed by Rare, releasing next year. Welcome to the Inner Gamer. Welcome to the show, everybody. Please introduce yourselves and tell us what your roles are at Rare. Uh, yeah, so I'm Joe Neat, and I'm the executive producer on Sea of Thieves. And I'm Mike Chapman, the design director on the game. Perfect, perfect. Well, well, welcome, welcome. We're excited to talk with you guys. So tell yes. us a little bit more about, as executive producer and design director, what are your roles working on your game? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. So I guess design direction is all about helping to define that core creative vision so kind of the the principles that drive the gameplay that drive the mechanics i think it's about putting a a vision in place and then working with a cross-discipline team so artists the rest of the design team audio teams our engineers to then go execute on that idea that's it at a high level yeah okay and, and i'm ultimately responsible for the kind of delivery of the project overall so i work with mike and with our design team on that vision and how we're gonna kind of first of all grow or deliver the game and then yeah. grow the game um i'm responsible for uh the the timely delivery and the kind of budgetary delivery and all those kind of things so um yeah kind of quality budget scope time all that kind of stuff overall um and and i think a big part of it as well though is making sure that people understand what sea of thieves is mm. and kind of yeah. you know selling the vision for the game to people making people understand what we're doing with this and why we're doing what we're doing and everything i think that's actually a big part of the exec producer's yeah. role so because yeah. um, we're doing something quite different and unique with yes. Thieves, right? Yeah, and that's a that's a really widespread job title. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, every day is very very different. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah. Um, so Rare obviously is one of the oldest game studios. You guys have a thirty year plus pedigree um, working on a lot of games. I mean, Golden Eye, Perfect Dark, like ton- tons of stuff that we played a lot growing up. What's it like working at a studio with this um, this amount of history? Oh, it's uh, absolutely incredible. I mean, some of my earliest gaming memories were playing either Ultimate Play the Game games or or obviously the company became rare, so playing those games as well. Being here, you know, seeing that mix of, you know, we've got new people working here, but also people that have been here for those 30 years. You really feel it when you're at the studio. It's an incredible place to work. And then couple that with it's it's got this unique location where it just feels like this creative haven in the middle of the rolling field of the English countryside. It's a, it's definitely a special place and you feel that working here. Yeah. It's a, it's a privilege, I think, to like like Mike says, you're working with people who have been here pretty much since the start, you know, like Greg Males, um yeah. uh, as creative director on Sea of Thieves, so works alongside myself and, and Mike. Um and you know, he's been here and he worked on banjo, he worked on pretty much everything all yeah, the way through wow. the Pinata. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um Ryan Stevenson, our art director, was the art director on Viva Pinata. Um and so we've and then we've got we've got this real mix of kind of, you know, the 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 real heritage of Rare and then people who come to Rare who yeah, grew up playing Rare games and then want to come work here and they bring their fresh view on things and I think that's what's so special about Rare is that you've got this kind of mix of you know experience from from before and then and and people with newer different ideas and everything and all that kind of comes together and every game that comes out has 
is always looking, I guess, at the future, looking at how to do new things, mm. how to kind of um, evolve Rare. It's why it's been around for so long, but it always has that kind of respect for what a Rare game is. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. And that understanding of what a Rare game is. There's something special, there's something kind of intangible. And even at the start of this project, we've sat down going... Like, what is a rare game, right? We even, well, I think we put together a video, didn't we, um, in the, in, internally in the studio with a bunch of people in the team going, saying what they thought a rare game was. Um, yeah. And that magic of, you know, how it reflects the people that worked on the game, yeah. right? You know, that yeah. spirit of who is at rare at the time, those people, like, that comes through in the game, in the humour, in the charm and stuff. And so um, I think, yeah, there's something really special about this place. And, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been in this industry quite a long time and it's the first place I've ever... I think worked out where I thought I could stay there forever. Mm. You know, it really is. Wow. So. Man, it sounds magical. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Makes me want to yeah. yeah. out there. And work <laughs> um, so that, that's really exciting. I mean, the, the mix of, you know, the people that have been there forever and then the new people, I love that you guys intertwine that together um, so much because that's really important. I mean, if you have the same people that have been working there from the beginning, you know, they're going to start doing the same things over and over again. So bringing in that, those fresh eyes and stuff like that really helps change a lot. Um, you were mentioning on the idea of what is a rare game. Um, I mean, there's, there's a huge variety of games that have been developed at Rare Studios for a long time. So how would you define a rare game? Um, like what, what is, are the, the few defining key things from your perspective that is a rare game? Yeah, for for me, it's it's humor, it's charm, it's kind of self-referential. It's like, um, it's something that makes you smile. It makes you feel that the people worked on it, loved the game they were working on, mm. and they've they've added their personal touch to it and personal layer. And and I think in in some of the rare games of the past, that humor comes across. It's um, it's kind of delivered to you by the game, and like whether it's in the writing or it's in the characters yeah. or the NPCs or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and when we looked at Sea of Thieves and we looked at how do we get that humor into the game and how it, where is that? And I think it comes from the mechanics and how players use them, kind of with each other. Like by us putting musical instruments in or drinking or firing out of cannons, like all of that leads to the hilarity and the humor and the laughter. And it's you know it's it's like I don't know. Um, it's so almost like improv comedy, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, a, in a way, like where you're given all these tools and then you have to, you create humor and laughter and fun out of it. Um, and I think that's how, you know, that's the thing that um, comes across from all the rare games I've played. The fact that even all the kind of NPCs are voiced by people yeah. in the studio and stuff yeah. like that's so cool. Like, I don't know if you know that, but like all of the games of the past, like, you know, like Leafos from Bibi Pinata is Louise O'Connor. She's our, um, um, she's working at the studio now still. <laughs> she did Berry in um, uh, Conquer and yes. stuff, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, James Thomas. Yeah, James Thomas. Was, engineer on, yeah. on the Sea of Thieves team. He did a, Voices for some of the piñatas. Yeah, and um, and, so, and it, it is that it's that charm, it's that humor, it's that love. The people you you know, and you you'd never know that they weren't professionally voiced characters, right? It's like um, uh, there's yeah, there's that's that's what's so special about it for me. I think. I think I think you look if you look back over Rare's history as well. I mean, I think we've we've probably touched each and every genre imaginable, oh, and yeah. even almost created a few new ones. I think like when we worked on Rare Replay, mm-hmm. um, when we started working on that a couple of years ago. Um, I think that was a reminder of like the the kind of the raft of games that Rare has worked on. And I think just just walking the halls here and seeing artwork from all these different games, it just it's just a reminder that there's just there's just that magic at the heart of Rare games, where the, as, as Joe says, it's a reflection of the people that worked on them. But everyone who worked on it was like committed to you know excellence in their area, whether that was design or art. Everyone's here trying to make the best games possible. So 
and yeah, Joe mentioned it as well, being at the start of Sea of Thieves and looking back at what makes a rare game. I think we're all pretty proud of the fact that Sea of Thieves feels like it's a it's a game that's part of that lineage, mm-hmm. um, something we're very proud yeah. of. But a game for today's kind of market and today's player, right? It's um, yeah. and I think and like like I think you said this already, badly that you know Rare Hat doesn't just get stuck into making one type of game, and that's why they've been around for like thirty odd years. They always they're always got an eye on the future, always looking at what they can do next, what they can do to kind of bring a new experience to players. And yeah, you can't, and that's why it's so hard to say what is a rare game because yeah. they've done everything, <laughs> yeah, like from you know across all the sorts of different genres and um, you know and. And yeah, I think that's that's what's so special about yeah, the place. Like even even kind of the, you know, kind of some of the past IPs that Rare's worked on, kind of that point of where you'd expect a sequel. That would be the point where Rare would go and do something completely different, go and kind of look at another genre and put put that Rare stamp on it. I think that's definitely something that we we celebrate and that we're very proud of. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's that's just awesome. I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that much passion you know, that comes out of, out of a studio because, you know, for a lot of people, they go to work, they do their job, they go home and that's just a job for them. But it sounds like Rare has developed this culture where it's not just a job. This is like, you know, this is part of your life and this is a very important part of your life, which I think is very, very cool. And, um, the fact that they've been able to keep that so strong for so long is, is awesome. Um, so let's jump into let's talk about the game. Let's let's jump into some Sea of Thieves. So you guys are working um, you're working with Microsoft on a uh, Microsoft exclusive Sea of Thieves title. It's gonna be for it's gonna be on Xbox and PC, correct? When it comes out, yep. yeah, yep. So um, for those that don't know, which hopefully everybody does, but for those that don't know, what is Sea of Thieves? Well. I think the, the, the line we're very proud of is that Sea of Thieves is the, the pirate game that you've always wanted. I think if you, like, you think across what pirates means to, uh, to players, to games players, what pirates means to our culture, I think that idea, uh, the, the romance and the fantasy of pirates from something like uh, Treasure Island, you know, where you've got a crew following an, a, a map to X that marks the spot. It's not just being on a ship, having adventures. It's getting on islands. It's kind of exploring these mysterious islands and having adventures on the land. But then, you know, the, the charm and the, the humour of something like Monkey Island or, you know, the, the recent Pirates of the Caribbean movies, all those kind of fantasy tropes that you expect when you think of, like, a pirate adventure game. We believe that Sea of Thieves delivers on all of that. So it's... But the cool thing is you're, you're kind of there with your friends. So you're in this... This shared world where you're adventuring with your friends, you're getting into all these adventures, but there's always that chance that you're going to meet another crew in the world. And they're out there having their own adventures parallel to yours. They're out there following maps. They're enjoying all these different play styles. And this explosion of possibilities that happen when crews meet in the world, that's kind of that magic um, that makes Sea of Thieves what it is, where you're given you know, some direction, um, you're give it a, given kind of a set of goals, um, but how you get there, it's about using tools in this world, working with working with other people to kind of achieve your goals. It's uh, that's what's special about the game. Uh, can you guys kind of talk about the initial idea of where Sea of Thieves came from? Like, what what did that look like when you guys first started off? Wow, yeah. So, yeah. So we we kind of broke off, um, like I said, the last project to think about what could be next for um, for Rare, and we looked at. 
a couple of things. We, we were playing a bunch of board games, which were <laughs> we were interesting in terms of kind of the social dynamics of players playing board games together and almost like a game like Werewolf, where people kind of are kidding with each other yeah. and playing with each other and kind of trying to use their social skills um, to kind of to, to win uh, other players over and stuff. Uh, that was that was really interesting to us. And then we looked at the kind of growth of games where um, players were kind of put into shared worlds with other players um, and kind of given their own tools and, and roles in the world and their kind of own agency over their experience. You know, looking at like the Daisy mod and stuff when that was out and um, how there were really interesting stories coming out of it because of those encounters that players had with each other. Um, and even looking at games like, um, you know, going from a small personal game like Daisy to Eve Online where there were massive kind of space um, kind of opera stories that were coming out of it because of how players had built up their own kind of um, fleets and um, uh, I can't think of the exact words, but um, the kind of groups of players, I can't remember what they were calling themselves. Uh, they're like the companies, aren't they? Yes, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. But um, but <laughs> like trying to remember back now to the start. But we were looking at all these and thinking about like what, how could we make a shared world kind of game where players are in, a, um, in, in this experience with other um, players, but but trying to rather than have a kind of a singular experience where one player would put against the world, we wanted to kind of put small groups of players together um, in a world where they'd have kind of goals that they were going after, but going after together. Um, but in a in a kind of um, experience where they understood what their goals would be naturally yeah. without us d- uh, directly telling them you're going to go and do this in this world. They'd naturally understand how to use the kind of objects and the um, the kind of um, features and things that would be in that world. Um, and so when we were, you know, and then because there's going to be other groups of players in that world on their own objectives, on their own kind of um, goals, it's when you meet and you have that kind of yeah. collision of people's adventures that you're going to have these really interesting dynamics and, and stories happen. And so we had that in mind and then we were looking at different themes and genres and what you know what would what would make sense when we we've got that kind of um thing in mind and we had a bunch of one sheets that kind of people across the team were kind of putting up ideas with just an image and a few lines um going oh i think this could apply to it and this and so we had a bunch and we narrowed it down to about seven and eventually we we just kept looking at the pirate one and we're like yeah <laughs> instantly you could think like if I, if you were going to put a small group of players together what better way to kind of encourage them to cooperate and work together than by putting them on a boat together um yeah. and what bet and what better way to or what better world i guess and theme does everybody understand like when they look at it and go i'm go- i'd love to go and do this in that world and i'm naturally going to be able to figure out how to use a ship how to kind of if I want to get it moving, I'm probably going to have to raise an anchor. If I want to like get get it going faster, I'm probably going to have to do something with the sails. And if I climb up in the crow's nest, I can be the lookout. And you know, or we've got a plank, and if someone's being a dick, I can make them walk it. And <laughs> like, and so you, it naturally just you just had this explosion of like, yes, this this yes. totally yeah. makes sense with the goals that we want. And and obviously there were some big pirate fans in the studio as well that have always wanted to make a pirate game. And yeah. so and it felt Definitely. like a it felt like a genre that really hadn't been explored fully and had the, you know hadn't made the most of it. Right, you know, Red Dead did cowboys yeah. and and nailed that. And um, and it felt like pirates was there. It was felt like yeah. it, you know so. It just made total sense for us to go and try that. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've seen um, games that, you know, they're a little bit drier. They are kind of based on historical um, pirate history. Um, whereas that idea of a pirate fantasy, it's just perfect for, you know, wrapping it up in this beautiful art style, you know, that we want to make timeless. Ryan Stevenson, our art director, the guy who worked on VP, um, has done an incredible job on Sea of Thieves. So I think it's that 
that merging of a game where we're going to we're going to give players a, a lot of mechanical freedom that it's just here's a boat you know you've got ideas in your head as joe says about how a boat would work or a ship i should say um so ship has an anchor ship's got sails sails can be angled into the wind to increase the speed of the ship i mean when when you've got something that's that fundamentally intuitive you don't need to handhold the players you don't need to overly explain these things we can just put players into this world in this world where there isn't any fast travel and just say if you want to go somewhere you need to work together to sail that ship yeah obviously working together on that ship um that's what provides the benefit so if two people operate the sails at the same time you're going to be able to do that activity faster if you've got everyone pushing on the capstan pegs to raise the anchor that you've seen in a ton of a ton of movies um, you're going to be able to raise the anchor faster. So if you put that in a situation where you've got other crews doing the same thing, just two ships encountering each other, like seeing how those different crews react, yeah. it's it's through that freedom that people have mechanically that ensures that the game never plays out um, the same way twice because it's a reflection of the people <clears throat> playing it. Yeah. Because of the choices they make, it's less about us as creators um, putting a directed path in front of players. It's more about, well, here's a world, here's a set of tools, and how you kind of react and the goals you go after are kind of up to you. And I think that's what's so special about it. And it, you, it's why, like, running a technical alpha program you know, where we've got real players in playing the game has been so important because you really don't know how players are going to react. I mean, of course, we have our own assumptions and our hypotheses around what players are going to do in certain scenarios. But you're kind of getting into the territory of human psychology. Totally. Of yeah. Like, how? firstly, when I'm in a crew, how am I going to relate to others? Are people going to be able to work together in harmony to go after a goal and accomplish something? But then when you've got that part solved, how do they then react under different situations where it's, is it a cooperative encounter with another crew? Is it one that ends in conflict? That's the thing that... It's fascinating because we're all, it's almost like watching an experiment happen live where we're, we're looking at people play a game and we're trying to say, well, what difference is this feature going to make when we add it into the world? How is that going to stir the pot and make things interesting? Yeah. I think that's what's like just been incredibly fascinating. It's such a learning experience for us working on this yeah. game. Well, it's yeah. like when we um, kind of show, uh, E3 last year, we showed up with quite an early version of the game and, you know, kind of quite feature light. We, we had the, the ship, we had you piloting it together and everything. Um, but we, we didn't have um, kind of uh, kind of pistol or blunderbuss combat. Mm. We didn't have sword combat. But instead, we prioritised drinking, um, like <laughs> grog, <Yeah. laughs> and, and musical instruments. And the reason we did that is because they... They're kind of so- social lubricants, for want of a better word. But they, they, because they, when you when you're drinking and you're in, playing instruments and you're you're laughing because it's funny the way it sounds, the way the like the animations work and everything, and and it actually bonds players together, yeah. right? Because and you'd get you get people going up. We said, but what's the functional yes, benefit yes. of doing this? It's like it's, it's not. Point. It's an emotional benefit, isn't it? it? Is. It's like a. It is. It's a. And it when you laugh playing a game together, you bond. And and it was always one of our biggest kind of questions and challenges was like, can we? get strangers to play together mm. in this game? Can we bring strangers together and kind of bond them as a crew and get them to going out there in the world and their adventures? And so part of that is those kind of social tools, like those kind of features, but also that sense of discovery and of working together to figure out how to get the ship sailing. Because yeah. once you discover that stuff together, you'll look, oh, well, yeah, yeah, you do this and oh, you can help me here. And oh, yeah. and then yeah. you, you build it up. And we've, we see so many people making friends in Sea of Thieves, you know, like adding people on Xbox Live and stuff. We've got yeah. like data on it because... 
it builds this bonds between players yeah. that you know you you're working st- stuff out together and you're having fun together and you're laughing together. It is kind of, it is the the key kind of principle, I guess, isn't it? When when we've approached any feature in the game, is it has to it has to work in that social context. So when we first put uh, a treasure quest in there, the the we made a conscious decision to make the treasure a physical object in the world. So. If if Joe was to pick up that treasure, he'd have it in his hand. He's holding it. He can't wield anything else because he's using two hands to carry this heavy chest. Um, like it's in my interest to look after Joe, because if Joe gets that, if we get that gold back, we're all going to share in the reward as a crew. We're all going to get the same reward. Right. So, like anyone can carry the chest. Like how you kind of get that thing back is entirely up to you as a crew. But a simple thing like that, where we make the reward shared and the object that we need can be carried by an individual person ensures that you get that bonding process. And it's, it is that, that same fundamental approach that we've applied to the ship. We've tried to apply to every mechanic in our game and that's when Sea of Thieves works best. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I, that social aspect is something that not a lot of games, you don't see a lot of games have. Like, and it's, it's cool to like jump in a world like that. I've been playing PUBG like religiously mm. for like yeah. the past week and so... I've been able to, you know, get my squad together and we just go in, you know, game after game and just that camaraderie building up and learning each yeah. other's tactics. Like that is, that's something I like to hear in games. So this, yeah. this, this sounds amazing. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. Particular, I guess particularly games where co-op is at the heart of it. I right. think in a lot of co-op experiences that, that say they're co-op experiences, they are in some way, but you're pretty much playing your own adventure parallel to other people's so you're on your own personal journey and there's other people with you that provide more firepower or they just talk to you along the way (laughs) whereas the difference with our game is that like you fundamentally want to be with people and need them to accomplish your goals so everyone's obviously going to benefit personally there'll be a personal progression system in the game but the kind of route to get there is to play with others in a meaningful way so everyone I know, well, best example is I, I need other people to sail the ship. Like the ship's not going to sail itself. It needs to be operated. If we work together, we're going to accomplish our goals more efficiently. Right. We want to get to the end of that quest and we want to get that physical object back because it can also be stolen as well. So that treasure chest that stays on the ship, anyone can board and steal it. <laughs> um, so that, that treasure chest is the catalyst to stories that can happen in the game. But then when we share in that reward as a crew, We've each then got our individual gold. So at the end of a kind of a, a, a scenario, at the end of a quest, we can then decide how, what we do with that personal progress. But we've had to kind of fundamentally work together, cooperatively together. Yeah. So you were talking about the uh, the the quests that are in the game, and you know when I when I played the game at at E three, it was me and this three people that I had just met waiting in line to play the game, and we jumped in there, and like you said, it was very. I mean, it took some learning, but it, we figured it out very quickly mm. what everybody needed to do. And then we yeah. saw these treasure maps in our our inventory and we're like, okay, mm. we got to find this map. So we, it, it did naturally come out, which I thought was awesome. And we went to go capture some treasure and do all these things. But, you know, the, the quest idea wasn't yet in there yet. So I wanted you guys to talk a little bit more on that. And what is the quest system like? Is there any kind of overarching story to this game? Or is it more about... Um, more on the player's individual experiences and just how they approach the world. Well, I think best way to describe it is that Sea of Thieves is a mix of experiences that are going to take you by surprise and a mix of 
directed goals. So players can absolutely come into this world, they can just explore, and there'll be scenarios that will just take them by surprise. They could meet another crew. We've got our shipwrecks in the game now, so you could come across another shipwreck, dive down, find this treasure on board. Um, but you can also follow these maps in the game. So yeah. the treasure quest that we've shown off so far, that's an example of an objective within a certain playstyle, I guess. I mean, and treasure is one we had to do first because it's that core pirate trope of Ray. following an X, and now we've got the, the riddles in there as well. So kind of evocative of things like the Goonies and, you know, piratey riddles and following these clues on an island. But if you think of Sea of Thieves as a world, there's going to be these different play styles. I mean, we've, we've kind of teased that for quite a while now. There will be other ways um, that you can play in the game. And the kind of goals you go after will be up to you. It'll be up to the crew. Um, you'll be able to play uh, the kind of the way that you want to play. And then there'll be progression in those areas. Um, but there will be the sense of um, the kind of quest you can go on um, will kind of be a reflection of your progression. So that, so the, the kind of more you progress, the kind of the, the, the more range of experiences players will be able to have. Yeah, and ultimately your goal is to kind of become a pirate legend yes. in this world, right? So there's no Blackbeard in Sea of Thieves. So I, that's what players will become these kind of characters in our world, in our community. Um, and and that's the goal that you're going after. And so all of the different quests that you're taking on and, and the progression that you're earning kind of will all feed into that, right? Yeah. Will feed into your legend as a, as a player. Yeah. And and it's a game that, you know, like we've we've had people in our alpha since um, December last year. You know, we started with a thousand players. We've got about 75,000, I think, have been added in so yeah. far. We've got a quarter of a million kind of waiting, knocking on the door of like <laughs> to want it to come in or something. But, you know, um, in, in the Insider program. But... Um, I've forgotten where I was now. Um, <laughs> but sorry. Becoming a pirate sorry. legend. It was yeah. becoming a pirate legend, right? And so players are already kind of becoming mm. legendary, um, even in our community now, right? Like um, in terms of some of the stories they tell on the forums or the, the some of the things that they've done in the game. And we've been kind of reflecting some of our player stories in the world itself. So mm. um, like... Like one one of my favourites. Well, there's there's a couple actually. So like there's a a guy in our community called Amir, and when we when we first put full damage into the game, he decided to kind of go and test it out. I think, and so we we suddenly saw in our kind of telemetry and our data that somebody had died like 32 times from full damage in like one session or something, and we were like, wow, okay, uh, we weren't expecting that. And so now in the world, there's um. Uh, there's basically you can go and find it at the bottom of a cliff like in the sand there's a little skeleton just kind of dug into the sand but there's just little legs sticking out and it's got uh, Amir's gamer tag scratched onto the rock next to um, where this <laughs> happened uh, and then there's a there's a guy called Clumsy George in our community who's like a real legend on the forums and um, he came he's kind of been searching for a multiplayer game um, that is is kind of a fun, welcoming community because he's tried some multiplayer games before, trying to go in there into communities, and has kind of been turned away and shunned. You know, and um, he's he was really kind of losing hope, I guess, in finding a kind of a welcoming multiplayer place for him to go because he because he loves it. It's something that he really enjoys, and he and he happened across Sea of Thieves and has just found this amazingly positive, welcoming community and. And he he writes some of the most amazing kind of flowing prose and stories and um, about when he plays with players and about the game and about the experience and um, 
and but he was always going on about this broom, basically, like in a lot of his things, like and a broom, a, a broom, yeah, a broom, <laughs> and like wanting us to put a broom in the game, and and it was like, why, why is this? And and it turned out like the reason that that Clumsy George wanted this broom in the game was because he basically um, kind of doesn't think he's the best at games and he's not the best kind of, he's not going to be the best crewmate, but the kind of lowliest crew member is the guy that swabs the decks. Right. And so he can kind of, he can, he can do, yeah, yeah. So he can do the role. He can be part of the crew. He can feel like he's a, um, you know, a member of the, a member of the crew. And so he's kept asking for this because he's like, that's what I'm worthy of or whatever. Right. Like, and, um, uh, and he's such a great guy and such a great character that, and the community were like, oh man, we should immortalize him somehow in the game. And so we had a, (laughs) we had a chat about it and kind of um, thought, what's the best way we could do this and so one of our taverns um in the world of sea of thieves now is called the george and kraken and um and i don't know if you know like in britain there's loads of pubs that are like the george and dragon based on yeah. kind of um, historical kind of stuff so we've, we've renamed it the george and kraken and um uh, the image on the little pub um sign is just basically a kraken kind of holding a broom battling it away <laughs> like that and um and so to people outside of our community, it means nothing, right? It's just a thing in the world. And, um, but to those in the community, in the know, it's, um, and, to, and to George himself, it's a really special thing. And, yeah. and the, these are like little things, little moments and little things that have happened during our alpha. But um, as we move beyond that and as we move to kind of a broader audience, we move towards that kind of full release in early 2018, um, we're going to be looking at not only how do players kind of build their um, legend like yeah. via the game and via the yeah. game mechanics, but also any moments and any stories that happen, you know, when we allow players to share videos and when we allow players to share their stories from from the game, that they're going to get up to stuff that we don't expect. And that, and I can't, and this is the thing I'm looking forward to the most. And, and we're going to then look at how do we reflect that yeah. in our game, you know, yeah. because this game is going to live and grow and evolve, even, you know, way beyond um, kind of early 2018. And we'll do it based on kind of our plans and on our roadmap, but we'll also be looking at like, how do we grow and evolve the world and the, the lore and everything based on what players have been doing? Because we know they're going to get up to amazing things in our world and they're, yeah. they're going to build their legends within our world. And we will then want the world to reflect it just like, in a real world that would happen right you know yeah. roads like in, in like roads now get named after Lara Croft so there's yeah. Lara Croft way in Derby right and, um, <laughs> but but we want to do it around players and and around you know um, individuals and crews and everything else and so um, it's but that's going to be the goal for players and it and it will be a constantly kind of growing and evolving yeah. goal right because yeah. there's not just going to be somebody gets to be a legend and that's it it's going to be always growing and always changing. And when we introduce new things to the game, there'll be new thing, new kind of things to go and earn, new ways to build your legend. New thing. It's just like it's progression as a service for yeah, one yeah. of a yeah, less a- for one of a. If I could come up with a less romantic name, yeah. then, um, but uh, it's that's that's how we view Sea of Thieves, right? Yeah. It's a constantly growing and evolving experience. Yeah, and I guess like players are such a big part. I mean, they're at the heart of the de- of us developing the game, mm-hmm. but they're also they're also kind of the stars of this world. I mean. Yeah. They, you know, there will be NPCs in this game that will, you know, they'll have a role as well. Um, but players are our main characters, if that makes sense. That's always been our focus. I mean, the the Blackbeard example is such a great example in the sense that we don't want to create these NPCs that you want to be, but you can never be. It's like you're gonna become a pirate legend, and you are the star of the show. I think that that reflects our approach. Yeah. Well, it's really exciting to hear all that because we play D&D and our dungeon master, uh, Devin, who's also a, a co-host on his podcast. I mean, we've gone into his world and other people have already played there and like overthrow uh, a government and, and put a queen for like the new leader. So like she's the ruling 
you know, monarch over this whole land that we just jumped into. So it's cool <laughs> to like hear that in your game as well and how it's going to continuously evolve through the players because I don't think you get that a lot. Is that something that you guys can do? Like, is that something special for this game because it's in development right now and people get to play it? Or can you guys speak on that a little bit? How how do you mean? Um, I think it's like well, once the game's released, are you guys going to continue to kind of do this? Because uh, I look oh, totally. at other yeah, yeah, games. Yeah. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like you know, I think like the the kind of the people in there now are almost like the founding members of the community, right? And they're the founding members of stuff. And so we're going to build up all these kind of like memorials to stuff that happens now. But as as we move and that broader audience comes in, we want to continue, right? Yeah, um, right? And but this type of game, like. The community is the heartbeat of the game, yes. right? Like, and we purposefully set out to to kind of do our technical alpha for for two reasons, really. Like, you know, we started it in Dece- like December, like I said, we built the insider program. But well, there's a few. Like, it's a new IP, right? Like, Sea of Thieves, completely new. Um, you can't rely on Rare's heritage. You can't rely on Rare's existing kind of fan base to all kind of fall in love with the game and come in build this community. You need yeah. to get people excited about the game, and and for this type of game. You, you need that community in place. You need this kind of people who are knowledgeable about the game. They know what's going on. They're there to help new players. They kind of, they write the Wikipedia. They share yeah. the, make the tutorial videos. They do all of those activities. Um, and we wanted to build that prior to kind of the, the, um, the full launch of the game so that when we do launch it and all of those new players come in, like there's already this really positive, welcoming, engaged, knowledgeable community. It's not like rolling a dice to see if it'll happen. Um, yeah. And it also means you've got this awareness of the game. You've got this kind of knowledge base. You've got everything else. And so, you know, you try and get, I guess, in place the um, the kind of, not criteria, but um, the situation where it's almost like it's already a known IP. <laughs> yeah. It's like, right, there's right. already like, it's like, it's like, it's a sequel and, um, yeah. and we're, you know, or, or not, but it's also new. It's kind of quite, yeah. quite unique, but like we, we felt really strongly that we had to have that kind of conditions in place really yeah. for, um, yeah. for, uh, for bringing new players in. And, and at the same time, like Mike said, we were also learning about the game we were building by testing it with real people as early as we could. Yeah. Um, and, like that's been a really kind of unique experience for us. But again, we knew we had to because we could not predict how people would like when we put the chest in that you could steal when chests were a physical object and we put them into the game for the first time, we were like, is this going to be okay? Are people going to be okay with their progression potentially being stolen during a session? Right. (laughs) And like, that's quite unique that you could do that. But when we tested it, like it happens pretty rarely. It's like, I think five, it was like 5% of chests that were returned were actually stolen in like the first play test we did, which was pretty low. And so, but it was enough for those people that loved doing it and that want to go out and have that experience. And then it was enough pressure and tension on you that you, you know, you need to look after this. Um, But it wasn't too much that it was like, Oh God, that's happened again. Mm. Um, And so we were like, great. This is like this, that actually worked, but we, we didn't know. Right. Um, I I guess we, we still we still get surprised yep. when we put features in the game now. I mean, it's not only things like, let's say, balancing um, the difficulty of AI threats or um, balancing weapons or balancing shipping counters. It's also interesting kind of creative ways that players are using the features that we probably wouldn't have expected to be found quite so soon or expected at all. And a great example is that we've got uh, curse chests in the game. Oh. So there's the chance that you can dig up a chest that are cursed in some way. And the two examples we've shown off so far are the there's a chest of a thousand grogs, 
That's, uh, <laughs> it almost looks like a grog keg, and when you carry it, you almost feel drunk as you carry it. Oh, okay. uh, you see, you see your crew members kind of wobbling all over the place, so it's a lot harder to get back to the ship. And you can, you can imagine how funny that is when you're, <laughs> yeah. when you're in a crib. But there's also the chest of sorrow, and the sorrow has sorrow, chest of sorrow has this kind of stone face on the chest, uh, and it cries, uh, and it fills the ship up of water. And one of the mechanics in the game wow. is that you can bail. You grab a bucket and you can bail the water out of your ship, and you tip it over the side, and you can um, keep the ship afloat. Right. So the idea, the thinking behind the mechanic was that players would need to work together even more to get that chest back to get the reward inside. So you'd have to constantly bail the ship uh, to get that chest back. But what we saw, I think the very first playtest we ever put it in there was someone just thought, I'm going to use this as a weapon. I'm going to board somebody else's ship with a chest of sorrow. Hide it in the bottom. I'm going to hide it (laughs) so where they probably won't think to look. And then they're just surprised. They're running around their ship trying to find yeah, a hole. Going, what's this? Just, yeah. Like, what, like what's that water, this water? Where's this water coming from? Where's the hole? And then it's like, what's that noise? Like, what is that crying sound? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so the very first playtest, people have already worked out we can we could use this in a combat situation. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 things like that because the, again, players yeah. have got that freedom that yeah. you just get surprised with yeah. how they use features and because yeah. we wouldn't expect yeah. it, even though it, like with hindsight, again, it makes sense. But yeah. because you're giving up something of value yes. here, right? Like this yeah. is gold. There's value in here, right? <laughs> and you're using it as a as a thing just because you can. Yeah. And like again, by putting those things, giving those that play, freedom to players, you see this unexpected stuff, and you're like, yeah. ah, right. Didn't think of that, right? It's, yes. Um, so it's it's like like Joe talks about like to air release in early 2018. The fact that we've we've had players playing our game means that we get to to balance these features more. Where traditionally we 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 would go live with an audience and you've already got like as many people playing the game who are willing to purchase it and like then you iterate. But we're able to iterate already. We're able to make the most of the features we had and when we add new features make sure it sits amongst all those features well. Uh, and we're basically just making the most of this kind of ambitious opportunity that's got all these unique scenarios. Yeah. And so um on the note of you have all of your players together and or you have your team of people that are on the ship doing these things, the, the things I've seen thus far are when you interact with another um, group of pirates or whatever, like hmm. the first thing that for me came to mind when I was playing was we need to engage or avoid this <laughs> engagement entirely. But yeah. are there things in place in the world where that's not the first thought, where I shouldn't attack these people, but I should somehow you know, make friends with these people. Is that kind of thing in place in some way? And if so, how? So it's it's really interesting, actually. And I'll take this one because I had a play session um, the weekend before last, actually, where I was at, I was at home on a because every Wednesday we have an insider play session yeah. um, where our, our tech alpha players get to play. And so I just went home and I kind of um, joined a game with three random players. Um, and I didn't tell them who I was and... <laughs> um, as soon as I joined, they were like, "Do you know how to play this?" Like, because like we'll we'll help you. I'm like, "All right, no, go go ahead. Like, let me know." And, and so one of them's like, "So just so you know, I'm the captain." Um, and I'm like, "Okay." Uh, and he's like, "This is my brother, and this is our other friend, and uh, we're just going to go out. We don't really want to engage with other crews. We just want to go treasure hunting." I'm like, "Cool." And he's like, "So I'm on the wheel because I'm the captain." I'm like, "Great, okay, I'm, I get it. You're the captain." Um, and, uh, uh, but he was just directing us all. It was brilliant. And then we saw this other ship, and uh, he was like, "No, no, no. Let's not engage. Let's not engage." And and it kind of followed us for a while. And eventually, we ended up just uh, moored up off each other. Um, 
Uh, and the guys on the other ship just sw- swam over towards us. And because our game has proximity chat, so when you're in a crew, you can just hear each other. Right. Um, but then when other crews are close, you can hear them, right? And so these guys swam across in the water and just kind of stopped by. And then you had this like five minute long conversation where they were like, look, we want to we want to kind of team up together and just go out together and kind of um, just go exploring. And, and our captain was like, I'm not sure I trust you. Uh, <laughs> like... Like, this is great, and we should team up, but I don't, I, I'm not letting you on my ship. And, that, and uh, they were like, oh, come on. And so they're floating in the water for about five minutes, and this kind of big dialogue's going on. A few of us are playing instruments to kind of um, uh, kind of just <laughs> kind of soundtrack the whole experience. But then, because right. they were in the, the water for so long, sharks started popping up around them. Um, and so, <clears throat> so we were on the ship shooting the sharks around them while they were in the water trying to kind of negotiate coming on board. But we were just trying to keep them safe and keep them protected while this negotiation continued. Broken. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we pulled out our guns and they were like, whoa, we're like, no, no, it's the sharks. Don't worry, we're going to kill them. And, um, uh, and eventually, after about five minutes of this, the, um, he, he agreed that they, they weren't dangerous and they could come on board. And these guys were from kind of, uh, you know, North America. So we had this kind of English crew, this North American crew. Um, they all came aboard our ship and we just went out exploring and because our crew had different access to maps that they didn't. We were using the kind of show mechanic of showing the maps to each other to kind of go, hey, we're going to this island. Like, and it's here. Let's go and look for it and stuff. And... It was just one of those magical moments where I guess um, all of the things that we'd talked about and wondered if it would happen um, in the game happened, and I was there as a live, <laughs> a live kind of spectator mm. for this. And, um, and and at the end of the session, I gathered them all around. I was like, just let you know, I, I work on the team, and that was the best play session I've ever had because <laughs> it was amazing just to see this whole experience. But um, and it was. Yes, like the one, the, what's call it? One of them because um, he was like, "I'm pretty sure there's a kraken in the game," um, and I'm like, "Oh, really?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a kraken." In. I'm like, "Okay." I'm not sure they've added that yet. And he was like, "No, they have, they have." Um, and he's like, "You'll hear it, honestly, you'll hear it." And then um, we're kind of, you know, we're sailing in the middle of the night, and then there's this sound effect we've put in the game where just occasionally you'll hear this kind of this this mysterious noise. And he's like, "See, see," he's like, "There's no way I'm getting back in the water." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I believe you, I believe you," but, um, but. That, that those kind of players doing that stuff together because we've given them the ability to do it right like you don't have to go and sink another ship of yes. course when you see it maybe that's your natural kind of viewpoint but there's going to be players with other motivations and other and wanting that's, to do other things within that world yeah. and that's the magic of you're not really knowing what they're going to do what their intent yes. is and so you know i think we've always wanted that bond between players in a crew and it's why all of your rewards are shared and um like we've always tried to encourage cooperation but that uneasy kind of yeah. moment and alliance with other players is that's what we always want to happen. And, um, and it's kind of cool if it leads to those moments where maybe you get betrayed by another crew of players that you've bonded with or something. And that's kind of okay, right? That's yeah. the pirate kind of fantasy. Yeah, but. it's like a, a personal bond amongst the crew. But then when you see another crew in the world, I mean, ultimately, every player is different. Like some, some players will be out there seeking out conflict. Some players will want to play passively, like the the crew Joe described. Some players just want to explore. Some players just want to do treasure hunting. Some players want to do other things. It's that unpredictability is what makes it really special. Yeah. Because what what we kind of want, and what, what's so amazing about playing the game is that you never you never stop scanning the horizon. When you're on an island or when you're out at sea and you can't see anyone, you've always got someone on lookout because you know that there is a chance that you're going to see another ship. And how you react, it kind of depends on the situation. If you've got treasure on board, you're probably going to try and avoid combat. If you haven't, maybe you'll maybe you'll try and cooperate them. Maybe you'll get into conflicts. But it's always unpredictable how yeah. two ships react to each other. Yeah, and by giving that freedom to players, we 
you yeah you get all of those unexpected kind of mm. occurrences right and and we've talked about like alliance kind of systems or things like would we want to do that and would we want to add that to the game and it's one of those things where i think we'll see if we need to if we see if we want to if see if it's something that players are kind of asking for and demanding um and at the moment we're seeing those interesting things happen but then do we want to put something in place with flags with systems around that but the beauty of this game is that we can test it and we can see if we need to and then we can see if we need to add it and we can see when and you know like launch for this in early 2018 is kind of it's just the start of the of the adventure right yeah (laughs) and so it's a game that there's so much there's so much scope for where we can take this right all of those ideas all of those potential things of the things you can add to the game different mechanics different ways to play um like you know the, the there's so many ways we can take it and that's why it's so exciting it really is and um i it's already really exciting seeing people play like they do um in our alpha and whenever we add new players and they all have great experiences and they're welcomed by the new players and our community grows but like when we really look like you know when we unleash the game i guess um and we allow everybody who wants to come in to come in um at that kind of full release and we allow people to share their videos share their stories like i think it's gonna like that's that's going to be such a cool moment for us because we're going to be sat there watching all the streams, right? Watching all the videos, reading yeah. all the stories on forums, yeah. like seeing what people are getting up to and seeing what they're asking for and seeing what's going, you know, like just seeing what's happening. It's going to be amazing. Seeing all your hard work come to life, you know? That's yeah. Going to be awesome. it's, it's Yeah. It's like we are in a very privileged position to be working at Rare on a game like this yeah. um, and with the opportunity that we have, right? There's a real opportunity for this game to be, you know, the next big game, I believe. So it's um it's super exciting. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've been making this game for a few years and ne- still, like, look forward to playing it every time. Miss it when I don't play it. Like, it's an absolute joy to demo the game at shows like E3 because, again, no no two sessions play the same. Everyone reacts to it differently. So it just constantly just got it's got your full attention. It's like we watch new players play the game. It just never gets tired. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's what has me. I mean, I was already excited for this game before we started this interview, but hearing you guys talk about what your intentions are, what you've done thus far. I mean, I, I didn't really know going in if this was going to be something that, you know, it's like a one or two year game. We might then eventually hear announcement of like a Sea of Thieves 2 or something like that. But it sounds like you guys have intentions of this being like a five plus year game. Like this isn't something that's going to be around for a couple of years and then we'll move on to the next thing. It sounds like you want this to be, you know, something that people, this is a part of people's gaming history in a, in a way. Um, as long as, as long as people are playing it, we want yeah, to be exactly. supporting it. Right? Yeah. That's the goal, right? So, it's like, it's kind of, yeah, it's on, it's on us and it's on the players. It's on the community and everything yeah. else really of like, of how long we go. But like, yeah, yeah this, this has legs. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm incredibly <laughs> excited to, to jump into the world and just, just see what happens. Um, because the little bit I played was a blast. And I remember like the last moment I had when we were, um, finishing up and it was a lot, it was the end of the second day of E3 and me and my team, we were approaching this Island that we were going to go get some treasure. And then when far to the right, we saw a ship converging on the Island and far to the left, we saw another ship converging onto the Island. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's about to get real. And we're getting closer, we're getting closer. And then they come up on the the intercom and they're like, sorry, E3 is closing. And I was like, no. And I was like, was this planned oh, or something? No. That was the ultimate climactic moment. But uh, those kinds of things were just, uh, it's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. And I'm, I've been working on a um, an article actually about this exact thing, with which is mm. the games that 
I appreciate the most are the ones that leave you with these moments and experiences. Like I remember back in the days of Left for Dead where you see the yeah. tank encounter for the first time and that's always different. Or like we're talking about player unknowns battlegrounds where you know trying to strive for that chicken dinner and every every game yeah. is a completely different experience. <laughs> this has that and there's so few of those games that exist. Um and that's just I mean it's awesome. So I'm super super yeah. excited. <laughs> It seems crazy, doesn't it, that there aren't more? Like that's my. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it yeah, does. It's, yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's um, yeah, because yeah, Battlegrounds was not a surprise to me that it's doing as well as it has. I guess because, you, like you say, every session's different. Everything's watchable because it's always different. It's always like even though you've got the same kind of goal you're going after, the right. journey there is different every time. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, um, so let's. I mean, I, I could talk about this game forever and stuff like that but i'd like to jump into what we're maybe calling our bonus round segment actually no let's jump back a little bit i want to talk about uh more on the world before we jump into the last part and i want you to kind of go into we've talked a lot about the world but how big like what is how big is this world that we expect to get is it yeah i guess is it gonna be 100 players per server maybe i don't know (laughs) Yeah, and, and how, how many people are connected? Like, like on the logistical side of things, like how big is the world, and how many people are connected together? How does that happen from a technical yeah. standpoint? I, mean the, I guess the, we talked a lot about kind of like tweaking mechanics as part of the technical alpha. I mean, yeah. the, the best part of it as well is kind of working out what the right numbers are, yeah, uh, and testing those things out. I mean, for us, the most important thing has always been it's it's less about the numbers; it's about how what's the frequency of encounter right and by encounter a potential story that could happen what is the right frequency is it should i join the world with a crew and see a ship within five minutes or half an hour what is the right amount of time for me to not only bond with the crew but make some progress um that's the right level of progress before we have the chance of seeing another ship that's something we've been so focused on and because the game doesn't have like fast travel systems, you know, you're sailing everywhere, that relates directly to the to the size of the world, where we put people, where we send you on quests. So it's all a part of that puzzle. So like the thing we're absolutely fixated on is just getting that time right. Where even I mean, right now, even when you look around to the horizon and you can see really far in this world, that even if you can't see a ship, they're they're still there. They're still there over the horizon. Yeah, and it's about two and a half kilometers, isn't it? I think yeah. your viewing distance. Yeah, you can yeah. see it yeah. a long old way. Yeah. And that, you know, we've got mechanics in the game like the Ferry of the Dam, so when which is a, a ghost ship. So when you die in the game, you go to this ghost ship. So if someone is in that session with you and you haven't met them yet, if they died at the same time, you could meet each other on the Ferry of the Damned. So there's kind of mechanics in place to to make it clear that there are players playing with you. But yeah. there's always that chance you're going to see them while they're out on the adventure. Yeah. So, but, so I, th- I think the goal, right, and like our aspiration is always that there's a crew of you, you're in this world, it's a shared world, and you always know there's going to be other players out there. That there's the potential that when you arrive at an island, there could be a boat moored up on you know the other side of that island, yeah. or there's there's always other players and other crews kind of adventuring in that world, and that we always maintain the same kind of level of encounters. And mm-hmm. so we're doing a lot of very smart stuff. When I say we, Mike and I had nothing to do with it, apart from <laughs> going, maybe we could try this, and then our engineers <laughs> are like, yeah, we'll figure that out. But it's quite hard, but we'll do it. Um, but 
like in terms of like so there's some very smart stuff going on in terms of maintaining that experience and um you know it's we call it a shared world adventure game right and like that's which is the acronym for that's a swag we're still <laughs> proud of that two years later um <laughs> but uh but it's it's that right it's an adventure game you're going on adventures and it's always a shared world and that's the magic and so you'll always have these unexpected encounters and that's what's important it's not about playing numbers it's not around that because i remember when someone asked me that before of like um and I, again i'm i'm proud of this one too um but they said is it like you know is it an mmo and i'm like no like if you say mmo for us that means like a memorable multiplayer adventure like, like a memorable <laughs> multiplayer online game like because it's about those memorable moments those memorable yeah. stories um you know it's we like it's always been about that it's you it's your crew you're on this adventure in this world and the magic is it's shared and there's other players on their own adventures in there and that collision of stories and so yeah. that's and that's the magic that's what's important and like it's it's that kind of game when you play that those questions almost disappear from your mind around those classic ones of like how many players are in there how many of this because right. that's like that's it's not it's not what matters like it really isn't um and uh it's it's all about that kind of that that crew on an adventure yeah. encountering other crews on their adventures that's the key well, i guess um, you kind of you kind of said it there when you had when you like unfairly was interrupted at the end of your session <laughs> uh, at e3 where you had that encounter with two ships heading towards each other near an island yeah. I mean, that that variance is what's really interesting where you might you might see a ship 20 minutes in you might come across another three-way ship battle I think, again, that sense of unpredictability and not knowing how and when you're going to encounter these players, that's what makes it replayable and special. Yeah. So there, there's never going to be necessarily, you know, an end game of any kind. It's just if I want to play an hour with my friends, that's my hour long experience in this shared world. Or if I want to play 10 hours, I can jump in and have like a 10 hour session and that is another experience, but there is never going to be necessarily an end game. And it's just, you just jump in and stuff will happen during that experience. Well, You'll kind of create I mean, your own stories. That, I mean, well, it, it's also the, I mean, progression is an important part of this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you've got this shared world where all this potential encounters that can happen, but it's really important that you don't just walk away from a session, whether it's an hour or 10 hours and go, well, all I've really got to take away from that is, some stories and the fun right right i think for other players it's very important that they walk away with a tangible sense of progression that you know they're further on their path to become a pirate legend you know they've potentially customized their character customized their items that's players need to walk away with a feeling that they've progressed as well as had fun i think i think that's really important for us and progression is those is that that we're very hard at work on right now and making excellent progress and it's that it's that one piece of the game that we haven't showed off yet yeah. and we're, we're yeah. really keen to and that's that's that last part of the puzzle um to that kind of that magic of playing the game and it always being unpredictable we started we've shown off a first quest type of which there will be more uh, and then we want to show off our progression plans yeah okay. and with everything in the game we've like we show and tell right yes. um and so we kind of talk to our vision for things um, around progression and at a high level. But when it comes to the details, we want to be kind of, yeah. because we've we've got this community of players that are there playing the game and testing stuff with us. And so when, when we when we want to show that off and talk about it and talk about, hey, this is progression in Sea of Thieves. Here's all the details. Here's what we mean when we're talking about these different goals you can go after and rewarding players who have different motivations and stuff. But So we'll show it and then we'll put it into our alpha and we'll test it with players and we'll do all of this stuff together. And, um, and rather than, I guess promising the the, the earth and um yeah. and talking about all this detail and you know we, we want to show and tell as we go forward and it's what we've done pretty kind of 
we've stuck to that vision, I think, all the way through. And, yeah. you know, if some people in our community get a bit frustrated mm-hmm. that we can't talk about everything and that we won't. But, you know, we, we want to keep people's, I guess, a sense of perspective and a sense of kind of um, around the game and and be open and transparent when we're putting things in. We can test them with players. We can talk about the vision. Then we can really talk about what we mean by this. But but that's the big piece that, that a lot of the team are working on. And um, it's, yeah, it's, we spent a lot of time getting it right in terms of like what, is the right progression system for this game because right. it's a very different, unique game. Um, uh, and it had to be right for both thematically, um, but also kind of just functionally and, you know, as a system. And so we feel really good about it. And so uh, we're really excited about when we do get to show and tell, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am too. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing what that will be. Any, any, <laughs> any idea when you might, when we might be able to hear that or is it, uh, Any plans? before before early 2018 yeah. <laughs> like, we've awesome. you know um it's one of our key stories we want to tell yeah. um the team would not be happy if i if i um kind of uh, stuck stuck a date on their heads right, um, right, uh, right. yeah yeah so we'll, we'll keep that one on you know to our chest uh, for now but awesome cool well uh let's let's now jump into our our bonus round is what we're, we're calling it which is gonna be five questions we'll um we'll start with mike or start with joe and then jump into mike and then we can just go back and forth but these are uh just basic questions about you guys as gamers your history as gaming so first question is what is your earliest memory in video games probably ikari warriors on the commodore 64 I don't okay. know if you ever played that. It's like a top-down, mm. like you were almost like a little Rambo kind of character and you could, I think you could get in tanks and flying machines top-down and you were kind of uh, scrolling from the bottom of the screen to the top and just taking on kind of loads of enemies and it was yeah. so hard. Um, but yeah, that was that was probably my earliest game that I can really remember getting stuck into and then eventually, after years, I discovered a cheat code that made me invincible and I could finally <laughs> get to the end. Um, but yeah, like, because games were hard back in the day. They didn't mess about, right? <laughs> I, I, I was so, yeah. at a... Uh, we have these arcade things popping up, arcades with cider and things like that popping up in our area. Mm. And I was at one last night playing uh, Galaga, and yeah, yeah. I, and then Cubert um, or the other one as well. And I was like, man, these games were so simple back then. But yes, they were incredibly <laughs> yes. challenging. Like I could yeah. barely get past the first level in some of these games. It's insane. I'm sorry. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, Mike, what about you? I'd say this is kind of interesting one actually because the. Around the, I'm sure you've heard of the Sinclair Spectrum. So it's, yes. it had more of a following in the UK. So around the time of the Commodore 64, which is obviously a lot bigger in North America, we had a, we had a machine kind of made in Britain called the Sinclair Spectrum. It wasn't, people might have said it was better, but it decidedly wasn't better than the Commodore 64. <laughs> but it had some incredible games. And some of my earliest memories were, were actual, what, what I later found out to be, were ultimate play the game titles. So... I think my earliest gaming memory, I think, is Alien 8, which was an early game made by Ultimate, um, very similar to kind of a Night Law, um, uh, kind of isometric viewpoint. So yeah. kind of these the kind of games kind of made as part of like Rare History, I guess, when it was called Ultimate. Um, but yeah, like I didn't know at the time, didn't know about the company. It's not since many years later I found out it was made by Ultimate and you know the same uh, company that made Jetpack. Um, but yeah, probably that game and just being it really stood out to me as a game that had great gameplay and it looked it was one of the best looking games on the spectrum and it just really stood out to me wow that's awesome I still love it to, to this day so if you guys had one game to play the rest of your life what would it be only one Ooh. wow 
A video game, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Championship manager, the football management game. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> it never ends. Yeah, and, uh, and it's always different. And if I was the one person left on earth, then I could still play it. Uh, <laughs> nice. I wouldn't need other players to play it with. Yeah. I would probably go, if it's, I'm playing it for the rest of my life, I'd probably go, definitely go multiplayer. I would go multiplayer on probably one of the original Halo games. Okay. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, we played a lot of Endlessly fun. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, so what is a, um underrated game for you guys? of Any console, anything in history? Something that you feel like didn't get enough recognition? Oh, that's a... I'm not sure if it's underrated, but I really enjoyed the first Kane and Lynch. It was just really, really dark. And yeah. all, of the, all of the characters you played as were just just irredeemable basically and that was really unlike any other game that i'd kind of played that kind of story-based game and like the, both the characters were horrible everything that happened <laughs> it was horrible, and it was really memorable for that um and uh and there was a really like i don't i'm pretty sure this is true but um because i never played it in co-op but i'm sure i read about this because you know you could play as two, the two characters kane and lynch right. in the game and there was a, and one of them was a bit crazy um and if you played it in single player, there was a bit where you kind of were holding a bank hostage and um, you had to go and collect the money from the bank. And you came up and he'd, and, and basically he'd killed everyone and was like, oh, sorry, like all the hostages, like the, the, the guy. And, but if you played it in co-op, um, if you were the guy guarding the hostages, they suddenly like started looking like policemen or something. And and so you started killing them all and then and then they weren't policemen. They were uh, all the hostages. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, so you were kind of going crazy. Yeah. And I, I love those little twists. Um, and, you know, that somebody put that level of detail and level of fun into the kind of the, the secondary co-op um, section of the game. Yeah. But yeah, it was a... It was just something that really um, sticks with me, and it was it was probably only like it wasn't the best game ever at all, but right. there was there was some real mark like the, the some really good levels in there, some really good writing, even though it was really dark. But um, yeah, and it just kind of stuck out for me for that purpose. Right? Mm. I'm probably going to go. I'm going to have to pick something on the Dreamcast. Actually, nice. I'm probably going to go. There's so many games on the Dreamcast that I think were underrated. There's some absolute classics back there. I'd probably I'd probably pick. Not everyone might remember this one, but um, Power Stone. Oh, wow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I worked at IDOS on that, in, but in the QA, in the test. Did yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we played so much Power Stone just yeah. on the Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure I could write a, a huge list of games I'd consider to be underrated, but I just absolutely loved that game. And obviously, there's a sequel to it that did Power Stone 2. Uh, Sega did. But yeah. I just thought it was just, it looked fantastic. It was great. Um, obviously, um, playing in multiplayer, and it just, just felt like a great IP that. Just so much fun to play, and the humour and the difference between the different characters. I think you could really do a great version of that today. You've given me a, sorry, another memory. Urban Chaos. Do you remember Urban oh, yes, Chaos, yes. The, the game by Muckyfoot, the, the female lead, um, yes, where she was a cop in a kind of like near future yeah. dystopian. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was like open world. There was driving, like, and it was before I think GJ Three. I think that came out. Uh, okay, because um, wow. it was, it was on the Dreamcast. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like that was kind of the precursor to a lot of the GJ stuff. It was really impressive actually. That game. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I just remembered because I worked on that back in the day as well, like in Q8. So um, just had flashbacks to like twelve <laughs> years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, what are uh, one of y'all's hobbies outside of video games? 
Anything well, you guys are known for that <laughs> people might not know you for? Mike Mike's good at guessing the year of like oh, 80s yeah. and oh, 90s God, films. Yeah. So yeah. if you just name a film, name a film, he'll guess the year. Trivia um, as, long as, it, as long as it's 80s. As long as it's 80s. <laughs> Mike knows pretty much quotes from every film ever as well. Um, but uh, What about yeah. Taxi? Like, what year was Taxi? Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I genuinely don't know that one. Taxi. The That's got to be taxi. 84. It, or I'd, I'd say... I'm going to say 82. I can He's on his it. phone. I can look yeah. it up right now. <laughs> please don't be 84. Please don't be 84. Checking on Please this. be 84. Please be 84. <laughs> it feels definitely early 80s. Yeah. Well, I meant taxi driver, but there is other taxis Oh, ta- Oh. I thought taxi was a Luke Besson film. Mm. Taxi driver, De Niro. Yes. <laughs> that's early. That's, that's, that's 81. <laughs> I think that's 81 or 82. That's, taxi driver. I got 1976. Wow. That's earlier than I thought, actually. Yeah. Okay. What was Taxi Driver? Sorry. (laughs) No, sorry. Oh, that was Taxi Driver. Yeah, Robert De Niro. Oh, right. Taxi Driver's earlier. 1976. Okay. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I've shamed you there, Mike. Um, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but, yeah, like me, when I'm not getting injured, I like playing sports, whether it's football or soccer. Um, Cricket as well, a very British and English sport, that one. Yeah. uh, but yeah, like t- trying to get out there and kind of do a bit of exercise, a bit of fitness and stuff alongside the thing. Yeah. And yeah. watching TV series. I love TV series. So I'll take films. that one. So yeah. I think physical fitness is definitely not in my list. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, anything, anything like, yeah, as you would expect, like books, movies, games, escapism, really. I mean, that's really, that's really my thing. Anything in that area. Right. Love that. Love getting lost in worlds and other people's creations. That's, that's my passion. That's awesome. Um, so last question uh, for this part here is, what is your favorite game that you guys have played in the past year? Great question. I would say, oh, everyone's going to groan when I say this, but I'm going to say Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. So imagine if you ask a lot of people, they'd say Good that. Choice. But I think, Good choice. Like, I think one of my favorite games of all time is probably the original Legend of Zelda. Okay. I think just that, I mean, for what it stands for and what a landmark title it was. And I, I, I still go back and play that game occasionally. But I think Breath of the Wild and how different it is to the more recent Zeldas, I think it's, it feels like a more a, a spiritual successor to the original Legend of Zelda for me in that the sense that it's, it has it has less of the really kind of obvious like lock and key mechanics where it's just get this mechanic and go in a dungeon. It's much more based on exploration. And then your knowledge of the world being what makes you good at the game. Um, yeah, I just I thought Breath of the Wild didn't, was an incredible job and definitely feels like a modern take on Zelda. So I thought it was excellent. Uh, life is life is strange for me. Um, yes. Gen- genuinely, I've never wanted to be a teenage girl more with a really <laughs> with a confident, cocky but vulnerable best friend. Um, genuinely amazing. I thought that the writing was so good. The characters they created, the world they created, the music choice was incredible. I've still I've got the soundtrack on my Spotify playlist and stuff. Like the the whole package of that game. Um, like when it first started, I wasn't quite sure about the kind of time travel stuff. And but as you progress through it and you build this relationship with the world and the characters and and the stuff that happens in it like inc- an incredible achievement honestly like that the um such a powerful powerful game um and the community that that's got built up around it is incredible like the people that love those characters love that world i think oh, that yeah. those those guys those you know that development team has done an amazing job um 
uh, yeah, I, I, I was blown away by that. And I, I guess I, I didn't go into it expecting to be, but um, incredible stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's one of those games that, that slipped past me when it came out, but I just started playing it about a month ago. And right. um, it's... I'm glad it's, I didn't spoil it for you. It's definitely a fascinating game. I mean, that just, yeah, it's, it's just so real. And that's that's what I like about it. You know, you, you feel a connection to these characters. You feel a connection to the world that you're inside and it's just it's really awesome i'm excited to to finish it i'm excited that you're doing a prequel so that'll be encouraging to know that there's there's more coming from it not the same studio but it's still cool to know that that story is going to continue um awesome well i think that's the end of the bonus round there on back to sea of thieves uh you guys mentioned uh, beginning of fall 20 or beginning of 2018 is when we can expect to see it right roughly around that time yeah, early 2018 has been our, early yeah, our kind of... Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. And uh, you said you're in alpha right now. Are there any plans you can talk about about a uh, open beta or anything of that nature where um, everybody can jump into or are you just going to, for right now, just increase that, that alpha that you're working on? Yeah, so, yeah, the, the current goal is the, is the alpha, right? We're, um, we're constantly kind of growing the audience in there. And it's like, I think if people want to get involved with Sea of Thieves, if people want to get their hands on and want to get a chance to play it, sign up for the Insider Program because yeah. um, we're going to be constantly adding uh, people and, and everybody in our Insider Program will get a chance to play the game prior to release. Um, you know, right. that much we can tell. So, okay. you know, at the moment, there's, like I say, there's over a quarter of a million signed up and we've got about 75,000 or 80,000, I think, that have been invited in. Uh, and we'll keep growing and inviting more but that's that's the way if you want to get involved you want to learn more about sea of thieves because there's so much more that people in the insider program get they get like we did a big list earlier didn't yeah, we? We did. like, we've got post-its on the wall i've probably got the photo in my on my phone but <laughs> like all, all the different things people get of like we do these uh, posts in our forum kind of um i do a monthly update to the insiders they get a weekly update kind of sent from the team with in- insights they get access to videos early yeah. they get mike talking about big design decisions and why we've done them um and a lot of interactivity on our forums and stuff in the insider section with us with developers so there's there's loads of reasons to get involved and get signed up for that um uh you know and people that get in the insider program when it comes to uh, the full game there's going to be some kind of exclusive rewards that we're going to be giving people who have taken part that carries over to the uh, to the full game awesome. as well so yeah so get involved right yeah uh, com forward slash insider there you go. Yeah, come join us. Come join us. Perfect. That's that's that was my next question. So you you, you yeah. took care of that for me. Awesome. Um, so where can we find you guys online? Are you on Twitter? Anything like that where people can check you out? Yes. Yes, I am at Chappers Chapman. Naturally. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I'm at Joe Neat One. So J O E N E A T E One. And I did originally have at Joe Neat, and then it got hacked, and now I oh, can't no. get back into it. Is that true? Oh, yeah. no. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so it was really annoying. So now I'm just Joe Neat one. Oh, Rubbish. You're, you're the one. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, everybody listening, go check out CFDs, join the Insider Program. Um, thank you guys again for taking the time to do this. This has been beyond my expectations. It's been really exciting, and I... I mean, this is one of my, was one of my most anticipated games and continues to be my most anticipated game. So really excited to see what you guys deliver and uh, can't wait to play the full version in 2018. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Sorry for running long, but we tend no. to waffle. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's not a problem at all. <laughs> 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure and check us out online at our website, theinnergamer.net, for our latest podcasts, blogs, videos, and social channels. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or tell a friend. We also have a Patreon set up, which is a way for you, our listeners, to donate to the cause in order to bring you all the great content you want to see and hear. Plus, if you support us, we have some awesome rewards waiting for you, such as being a guest on our podcast, getting exclusive content, or even joining us for a D&D session. So head on over to theinnergamer.net and click Donate to Contribute. My name is Brett Yanoski, and you've been listening to The Inner Gamer.